recognizing that church and churches and people, pastors and parishioners, we're all imperfect and make have shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I learned is you can't uh, identify uh, as people by their weakest moment or moments. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, the one thing that I always think about when I think about the church is, you know, the example we gave that man, I'm a ten because I'm righteous in Christ. Mm-hmm. If I accept that, what I also have to accept is you're a ten too. Mm, I like the that. person who did me dirty is a ten too. Right, the pastor that I felt for whatever, they're also a 10. Mm. And that's part of the community of faith. And happy new year, everyone, man. This is the new year. I'm super excited for again, I've been just on a roll with season three. I love how season three has just been going. And I just want to say right now, today. Today's podcast, man, is a special podcast for me because this is one of those podcasts that, you know, try to set it up over Zoom with a good friend of mine. But this guy here has been one of my lifelong brothers, even though he moved out of state. We've always just been brothers. We've done everything together in ministry and life and church, you know. So today I want to introduce my guy, my brother, TJ Della Garza. Hello to the still here crowd. How many people yeah. listen? What do you got? Like 12, 13? 100. 100. That's yeah. amazing. It's legit. <laughs> yeah. You know, bro, we started this and we were chatting. I've kind of felt like we should have just been recording and rolling, but. I think we were. Yeah. Were we? Oh, okay. Cool, yeah, cool. We okay. Because yeah. I do great off the cuff. Same. But once you started rolling and started saying and, ta- and saying, no, I'm like, dude, I'm just really, it's a great. Uh, experience us connecting again, mm-hmm. getting together, like you said, lifelong friends, and we're trying to figure out how long it's been since we've seen each other. Yeah. It's been at least 15 years since I've we've seen each other in person, mm-hmm. and that's kind of one of the beauties of friendships, adult friendships, is uh, you know you spend decades, years apart sometimes, but you can pick up right where you left off and just talk. And dude, yeah. this is this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be fun, <laughs> well, bro. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Your people called my people, <laughs> yeah, which we, meant we just text each other. Or DMing each yeah, other. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, uh, man, we made it happen. I flew into Fresno Sunday night mm-hmm. and uh, told the spouse and the fam, I was like, man, I got to I gotta go see this guy. And uh, the podcast is just an excuse for us to hang out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and for it, real. Because we tried to set it up, you know, a while back, you know, via Zoom. And it's right, like, right. And that would have been cool. It would That would have been cool. You because yeah. I'm capable been of. Right. You know, but when you said when you had mentioned, because again, we're, we're pre-record all this stuff. So when I say Happy New Year, we're in December still. But right, right, yeah, that's you know, how production but you're, works. You're here and you're here for the holidays in the town, flesh, in the flesh. You know, and again, it's been a while. I see your posts on Instagram, minute, yeah. on yeah. Facebook. You right. know, and again, I mean, I, I I love and hate social media because you can keep up with people, but then you can just still see all. The I mean, yeah, it is what it is. It I, is. I love it. I embrace it. I mean, yeah. I, I've. It's the first time I've met Lily. It's the first uh-huh. time I've met any of your kids, really. But I remember seeing your oldest daughter, y'all's oldest daughter, mm-hmm. uh, when she was just a little kid. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, I've watched them grow up. I feel like I've seen you guys. Obviously, you know when each other's struggling when we're not. Yeah. And you see it come through it. And mm-hmm. per your title, y'all are still here, and I'm kind of still here. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's one of these stories that I really... Again, I look, I'm thinking back. I, I talk to my wife about this all the time, you know, what things we used to do, you know, all the ministry we've done, all the fun stuff we've done, especially with our, you know, our boy David Perry. David Perry. You know, yeah. Well, I hey, have, listen, I, I got, let me stop and say this. I, well, I got two things to say. Number one, 
I would not be where I'm at today, legitimately, and I've told you this multiple times, and I've told other people this, if it wasn't for Dave, well, three people really, Mary Rios. I remember Mary. David, who I think has been promoted to glory um, and received her reward. David Perry, who I went to school with at Clovis Unified, who, um, and that's a crazy story how I ended up going to Cornerstone, and Jose Manzano. Yeah, and we can talk about all those three things, Mm -hmm. and every time, man, I preach so many sermons, have shared kind of my story of salvation, how I got saved, how I got went to church, how I got discipled, how I got plugged into a church, and um, those three names, Mary Rios, David Perry, Jose Manzano, like, I don't know if I would have kept being a Christian Mm. if it wasn't for you, so, Mm. and we can talk about how all that happened. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's get to it because again, I know. Second thing, I'm sorry. No, go, yeah, second thing, second two. thing, number two is when you talk about like our relationship, our friendship together. Uh, we really, honestly, from the time I started going to church and uh, we hung out and started doing things together, that wasn't only but like a year and a half, two, three years, mm-hmm. but super formative years. Mm-hmm. And that space and time, for whatever reason, we've just you know have been connected. Almost thirty years later, so I mean that's the beauty of like time spent with each other and cultivating and developing relationships. The beauty of social media, uh, watching each other's families grow. Mm-hmm. And it used to be back in the day, you leave, you come back. Dude, this guy, what happened? Yeah. But I mean, I've been seeing kind of what you've been doing. I, I kind of wanted to come on just to find out, like, what the heck have you been doing? Like, what are you doing now? And because here's what happened: like, we're on Facebook, right? Yeah. Before Instagram, we're friends. I see your family. Uh, all of a sudden, I, I think, no, I know what it is. On Instagram, and I remember you start doing these Instagram lives. I think one of your first persons was Jonathan Dominguez. Yeah, I was yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You did that. All of a sudden, you're posting clips about podcasts, and then you and this other guy are doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. Then you're doing another podcast, and now, and, and every little thing you're doing, it just gets like better mm-hmm. and better and better. Mm. And better, and it's just amplified. So you got that definitely the sweat equity mm-hmm. put into it. So well, you're right. I mean, because again, when it came to like getting all this stuff um, going, man, I always had a an idea where we wanted to grow. Um, yeah. When I had yeah. the first podcast, you know, it was me and the other guy, and um, she wasn't included, and I just knew there was always something wrong, you know. So when still here happened with my whole COVID. Everybody's doing it now. Yeah, everybody is, you know. And so to have them sit on raw conversations, you know, that's one thing I love about, you know, as we as parents, you know, we don't hide anything from our kids. We let them know what the world's like, but that we let them know that you don't have to be like the world. You know, you you're you know, you can be a leader in example, not be surprised and caught off guard. Oh, they said a cuss word. We're not supposed to, you know, they're they're fully aware. You know, they're not scared, but they make the the conscious decision. And I feel like starting a podcast, you know, only exposed where I was fake, you know, because I'm talking about all this stuff. You know, you're fake to expose to your fake to my like hypocrisy, family? my double standard and like, like to I'm, your family or to, to yourself. Myself, okay. You know, what mainly right. to yeah. myself. Yeah. And you know, when I had on people like we did the live can you, with wait, can you give an example i would say living one way on camera and off you right know, couple but, of years, but like is there a moment where you can say listening to the podcast yeah and, and you're like no this is just not who i am yeah well there's this one podcast i shot talking about respecting people and you know okay. yourself yeah and that day you know i had a shoot i used to work for a brewery here in town it was of my own not them 
you know, but I, I was doing their, their uh, social media content work, all that. And then, bro, I started 9 a.m. to like 10 p.m. They were just, they were canning some amber beer, some red beer. It was good. Yeah. I started that day all day, man, and I just was wasted. And here I'm talking about respecting people, but I'm hitting on this dude's girl. I'm trying to fight people. <laughs> you, you're wasted, like exhausted, drunk, or you're drunk. drunk. Yeah, I'm gone. And you're hitting on, and while you're married, while I'm married. Okay. And that, again, that's just the alcohol in my pod that I released that day it was about respecting folk and yourself, and you know, not yeah. living this fake life. And then someone commented on the teaser because you see my teaser, though. That's not where you were last night. I'm like, jeez, you got caught. I got yeah. caught. That's the beauty of social media. Yeah. I mean, you know, be beauty of, of your social presence is like you can get called out real fast, fast. if you ain't, you know, if you're not living the way you're proje projecting yourself to live. Yeah. So. And I think that's what flipped on this, you know, pod, especially when I got sick, man, it exposed my double standard of who I am. Cause again, so it, you were living a double standard up until you got sick. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Not up to before I started noticing. Well, again, once I, once with unfiltered, I started noticing things, man. I started changing. Okay. I started changing, you know, yeah. and there, I wasn't doing certain things, you know. And so when it came down to making the decision, that's when, um, you know, I got sick, then unfiltered split, we split. And then the recovery just kind of left me with my thoughts. Especially and you're still recovering, right? Yeah. My lungs, my breathing, yeah. all that. Man. Yeah. Those hospital times, man, would give you time to really think because mm -hmm. it's really, you have nothing to do. You're by yourself. You're alone. You have nothing but your thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, it causes a lot of self-reflection and actualization. Mm -hmm. So, And that's what happened. And so, and I kind of, and it, I reflected on everything, you know, especially seeing your posts and a bunch of other people's posts. Sure. You know, and again, and it, like when we even now thinking like I thought, I thought about so many good times we had in ministry and church. Oh, bro, they were great. They're all great <laughs> in my memories. Yeah, we, we did a drama, and you're it was like a gang. We were doing gang gangs. drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, we yeah. were jumping you. <laughs> you know, there's this yeah. one particular. I don't remember which one you're talking about, but sure, but I'm it, sure it very happened. predictable yeah. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we like we were in this jump scene where you get jumped into a gang, and you looked up right at me. Like, <laughs> you really you punched me in my face really yeah it was i was like oh he got me you know yeah, but it I was one of that i mean but it was that was that old division arrow yeah, that yeah, was yeah old yeah. school back in the day man you know and again I, having you on is just it's pretty cool because it's like we're, that's all we did was hang out oh yeah oh bro all the you know i've kind of i listen to a lot of podcasts like mm -hmm. i feel like i always have a podcast going on when i'm driving and in Dallas, you know, I'm living in Dallas right mm, now. Yeah. We do a lot of driving. I mean, it's nothing for me to drive 400 miles a day just within Damn. Dallas, just because of life. Yeah. And uh, um, so, I mean, I've listened to yours. Last one, you dropped with the artist, the sweat artist. Mm -hmm. Dude, fantastic conversation. But the ones that I gravitated to and that the only ones of yours that I've listened to entirely, honestly, were uh, you had Lodo on and his boy. And I was like, <laughs> man, that's my guy. That's my dude. Yeah. Had to listen to that one. Patrick. Yeah. Had to listen to that one, and it just, you know, there's this connection to Familiar. the past. Yeah, you want to know where you came from and who you came with mm -hmm. so you know where you're going or where you don't want to go. So. Yeah, and that's real, and I think I've learned that, man. Because um, when it comes down to shooting these pots, man, I want to make sure it's relevant to all. Yeah, I have my standards, my beliefs, but I want everyone else to have theirs. At least they can talk about it. You know, if I disagree with them, hey, we'll talk about it, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> Shoot, and I'm sure, as you know, as this podcast goes on, we'll probably have a disagreement or so i mean i don't know yeah i you mean know? you have to i yeah. mean it's like listen if 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 you agree with every everything your friend group your family your community if all of your agreements 
are the same on everything. You're really living in an echo chamber, right? That's yeah. not like I, for whatever reason, the last ten years I've really come to hate the word community. Yeah, because I feel like it's so overblown, and in some ways we're projecting this false image that we're trying mm. to achieve that is just not really there. Mm. And, and really, if I can go off that tangent on a I'll minute, I think when people say I need to find my community, they're we're really saying, man, I just I need to find friends. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, and I have to back up a little bit because you have—I don't know if we've said this—but I'm a pastor. Yeah, I'm a we'll minister. Get into all that. Yeah, too. every every perspective that I have and the place that I'm speaking from comes from the church environment, mm-hmm. and so primarily from the church environment in the evangelical world. I'm an unashamed Christian, and I use the word Christian intentionally, not some of these other you know phrases that my kids like to use. And, and I'm an unashamed evangelical Christian, mm. warts and all, and I stay, that's my tribe. Um, uh, but I feel in, it's primarily with a lot of young adults, college, post-college, single adults, young marrieds, that they use that word. And it's like this, I don't want to say idle because that's so easy to, but it's just, it's this false image that mm-hmm. they're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. So- well, I mean, let's get into that. I like that topic, you know, being a pastor. Because, <clears throat> again, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've watched you grow, man. You know, you were one of those guys when you got saved, you went in, and it caught the attentions of, like, the leaders, the pastors around, yeah, and you yeah, became yeah. real, you know. you Probably jumped, shouldn't have, but yeah. it did. But, yeah. and, but, but and my, from my point of view, I thought it was great, because knowing where you've come from and the experiences you had prior before you got saved, you know, because I remember this one particular time we were at the Wilson, and you got up, and— um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the first spoke, time I saw my wife. Yeah, well, first you, time I saw Veronica mm-hmm. Delagarza, yeah, the and, future Mrs. Delagarza. <laughs> well, you were on stage and you gave a message, a quick five yeah, minute yeah, message, yeah, 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 and yeah, it yeah. really just pumped. You know how Cornerstone was like; they were running around. And, oh yeah, bro, we we're you expressive know. people. Yeah, and so, but you were then. That's where I knew it's like, man, this dude's gonna be a pastor. You know, I'm sitting behind you. I'm standing on stage behind you, watching you, and then it's like, and to see where you're at now, it don't it only makes sense, you know. But I see the maturity because you grew up you grew up in the hood you know you were you were i know this is sort of sort of maybe well the mentality or the yeah. you know the the community you know the yeah, people, yeah, 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 yeah. the people you're around. i do love one of my favorite tv shows that i can binge watch is community over and over again so <laughs> yeah, you, you, you I, I watch that? No. oh bro that's a great tv series super creative <laughs> well before let's get it before yeah. all that you know because again maybe give a little hint because you were in gangs you had that life i know you don't like talking so, about uh, it you no know, it's not that i don't like talking about it i just feel like like now that we're adults, when we look back at the things, the stories and the narratives we told when we were like teenagers, mm-hmm. they seem like such real narratives back then. But looking back now, is like, no, I really wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I w- no, I really wasn't. No. You know what I'm yeah, saying? You look like, apart. So we're always, oh, there's like, we're always the heroes in the stories we tell. Yeah, that's right. Right? That's just a human element. That's a human dynamic. And like, I, 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 I say that often. Um, I, I teach a few introductory college courses at a religious institution and in a f- philosophy class. And one of the things we go over two things. One is we're always the hero in the stories we tell. Mm. And secondly, is uh, we always ask the question, the old platonic, back, going back to Plato, is like, what it, what makes human human? And mm-hmm. we can talk about that a little bit here. Yeah, so. definitely. Well, but I, you say, like, I hate, like, I know Pastor Jerry, he's like, this is TJ, and he said this, and he was a yeah. gang member. And I'm like, no, I really wasn't. I mean, 
I in that moment I kind of wanted to be, and a lot of my family members I was, were. I was we all had in the you. valley. We all well, and I believed me, <laughs> right? I believed the stories I was telling, like at yeah. seventeen and eight, and and was I a good? I wasn't a good kid. I wasn't a good person. But I don't know if like I was the person that. Everybody made me out to be, in, yeah. not just in church, but even like in school. You're like, you're, I was the blood. People felt sorry for me. No, I hate that, dude. I hate, I, I hate that so much, but uh, I intentionally and purposely don't do that. But well, I know, uh, but that's what I'm saying. But to see you come from at least that. Sure. From yeah, what right. I was, and we can talk about that. Yeah, we can talk but, about that. Yeah. But being a pastor now, you know, you're a pastor out in Texas, man, or Dallas, Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, let's get into that because you said the sure. Christian community. You know, you you said you know you don't like That's my tribe. That, yeah, you know, I use the word Christian intentionally. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and I say that because a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, common, I guess, fad or themes or what's in vogue is people say, "Well, I'm a Christ follower." Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I'm a G. I fall. I'm a G. Uh, whatever. I don't know. I, I, there's a an author I started listening to, he, he, Joseph Castleberry. He's a great academic. He used to be the president at Northwest University, uh, the Assembly of God Bible College in Seattle. Uh, theologian, academic, Pentecostal church practitioner, and from him, you know, just in engaging and dialoguing, uh, he always says, "No, I use the word Christian intentionally for two reasons. One, um, it's number one, it's the word that Scripture uses to define who they are, mm-hmm. right? And it's kind of this term that is a that started in the Scriptures in the Book of Acts as almost like a, a pun." from those who are not Christians to try to explain who this people group is that started believing Mm -hmm. in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Mm -hmm. uh, and the ascension. And um, so I I like that aspect and story, and and that can go broad and deep on what that means. But also, a lot of people get away from using the word Christians because historically through the centuries, the Christian community, the church community, has done some horrible things, and you can't deny them. And uh, to me, it just points back to the humanness. Of who we still are until we get to eternal life, mm-hmm. and you can't deny that. And we can try to make it better, but these cycles keep happening over and over again. So I, I identify myself with the Christian community, presently and historically, warts and all. Mm. So I mean, I like that because again, a lot of people, even me, I've I'm said, take you know, a drink here. Yeah, go ahead. Even yeah, yeah. when I've said, you know, oh, I'm not a Christian, I just follow Christ. You know, because again, it comes from it stems from the uh, a bad experience. You know, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that of my own or that it has something that happened to me. You know, but I think growing into that, especially this past uh, few months, man, this year really, especially again coming off my sickness, you have a lot of time to think. Right, you know, right. God, God really had restored my faith in Him, and and especially, you know, especially in a church, you know, in a body, in a in a community, you know, and so it was one of those things. <laughs> now that you heard, yeah, I hate the word community. Stuck. It's, it's stuck. the word that yeah. you're gonna. Yeah, I know, I know. And, you know, but now more. Than and my ever. colleagues back in Dallas like use that word in in when I'm in their presence because they know I hate it, <laughs> and so they do it on purpose. Oh, so. I'm not. I'm trying yeah. not to. You know, but again, it restored it, man. So, and I feel like now more than ever, we've we've come to a point now, especially now. I I do. Especially here on the podcast, man. I'm I'm a Christian, you know. I am, you know, and so I. It's one of those things I know that has a stigma. Like when we get into that, from your point of view, being a pastor, you know, what do you feel like? Why do people hate Christians? Why do people seem it's obviously easy to clown Christians and make fun of them and say they're weak and say they're fake and say they're, you know, everything, you know, because we hear it all the time. Andrew Tate can't stand Christians. A lot of these people, because, you know, again, it's like everyone picks on Christians, but not Muslims. You know, the Quran and all that, you know, they don't, 
because we know what happens. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, man, I, I don't know if it's just Christians. I think, I think every people group or ethnic group or socioeconomic group has the potential to be able to be stereotyped. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe there's several reasons, and this is just stream of conscious thought, right? Uh, maybe there's several reasons when you're asking that that I'm thinking. Primarily, the most important one is what other community has been around as long as globally as the Christian community. Mm -hmm. So like Christendom, right? The Christian community historically through the centuries has had its footprint in every civilization and every geographical corner of the world. Mm. And so it's developed these unique um, maybe nuances that just can't be explained by those of the outside. Uh, The other thing, I think maybe just from a scriptural perspective, and I don't even know if this is fair, but Paul does write um, to the Corinthian church that, you know, that those who just don't know, Don't understand the reasons why we do. In February, our churches, we're going to go through a series on the fruits of the Spirit. And so right now I'm reading a book by Zoltan Deutschen, which is, he's a theologian and a psychologist, and he's trying to look at the fruits of the Spirit from a psychological perspective. And he classifies them in two ways. One is that every one of those traits that we read in the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia are actually characteristics traits that Jesus and or God the Father say of themselves, mm-hmm. right? God is love. Mm-hmm. So one of the fruits of the Spirit is love, right? Jesus says, um, I will give you peace, not the world's peace, and he's really talking about the Roman Empire, but my peace and the Roman Empire's peace, Pax Romanus, mm-hmm. right, was really this transactional thing that if you didn't do your part, then they were going to come and conquer you. And so here's Jesus saying, I give you peace, not the world's peace, and he's talking about the Roman Empire, but my peace, Man. which is not transactional. Mm-hmm. And so so there's all of those little intricacies in the fruits of the Spirit. The second thing he points out is uh, the Greco-Roman world in the, in the first century and beyond and a couple centuries after had list of virtues. And when you look at the fruits of the Spirit compared to, say, Plato's list of virtues, they're complete opposites. So one of Plato, I think it may not be Plato, I, I'm just remembering all of yeah. these things, right? I mean, and it's a uh, lot. It, it may be, one of these philosophers actually had pride as a list of virtue that a good Roman citizen is supposed to have. And so here's one of the fruits of the Spirit that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we're told to be humble. It's counter countercult not not only countercultural, but just counterintuitive to the way we think we're supposed to flourish in society as mm. we know it. It's this kingdom of God on earth. Uh, the third thing is is the fruits of the Spirit aren't really character traits, but they're the image of God. Mm. And we can best gauge if we're being transformed into the image of Christ based on how we're exemplifying those things to those closest to us. So mm. I think living... Um, counterintuitively doesn't make sense because people don't understand it. And so it seems odd. Mm. You know, I'm so you look at Jesus in the Beatitudes on a Sermon on the Mount, bless those who persecute you. Well, you know, that just doesn't make sense. Blessed well. are the peacemakers, not the person who is correct, but blessed are the peacemakers. You know, blessed are you when you're hungry and thirst after righteousness. Uh, you know, blessed are you when you're poor. Uh, those are things that just don't they can't make sense. Mm-hmm. And so I think speaking from the primarily Christian community is we try to make them make sense and they just don't. Mm. And know, they can't. Yeah. And so hearing that then, you know, how's that like now, today's society now, this time? You yeah. Know, I think come? it's just odd. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're living in postmodernism, which uh, th- one of the beauties and down, but downfalls of postmodernisms is we accept everything and don't question anything critically. Yeah. Or, or just even think about things critically. And so, and, and we're all about pleasure. And so, yet I'm supposed to be chased. If I'm single and 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 practice fidelity to my spouse, if I'm not, and uh, you know I'm on the plane the other day coming, and there's this guy next to me, and we start talking, and it, he finds out I'm a Christian, a pastor, a part-time professor. I also referee soccer, and and um, just to you know try to eke out this living in society, and and he, he's just asking how much I make, and well, you could be making more. Well, I could, but this is something that I feel I could be making more, but I love what I'm doing, mm. right? I I I feel I'm flourishing through it um and then he we start talking about he looks at the stewardess and makes a comment and i said you know man i'm married he goes well me too but in his mind as long as he's not doing anything physically right he's not being unfaithful to his wife where for me like even even playing with that in my mind right i'm not being faithful to my spouse and and no one would know yeah but me Mm. right no one would know but me and so it's those things that I think is odd, is specifically contextually in the time we live in now of postmodernism. In the 21st century, and we can't even say in America anymore, but in the 21st century globally, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't, you know, because I'm guilty of that even now. And that's one thing I feel like I'm more, dude, I'm way too honest now. You know, I'm very open about my thoughts and I'm like, yeah, I think about that, I, you know. I, you know, I'm like, I'm with my buddies and those guys are all the same, man. They talk about motorboating the same girl. They talk about the same stuff. And it's like, after a while, I'm like, this is, this is people. This is life. This is who, who they is. are. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it's again, how do I connect and reach them from life? I'm a part of that, you know? Yeah. So one thing that checked me again, that's one thing I said, I had to realize my double standard, you know? So until, like you said, made me think, man, I, I think that. You know, you know, once you let it go in your thoughts, once you, you know, it's like a living. It's, and I think the reason why Christianity is hated so much, man, is because we feel like everyone thinks all oh, they think they're perfect. They think they're this. They think they're yeah. So based off that, I think there's two things we could say. One is it's the standard mm-hmm. that convicts us, yeah, that makes us angry at them. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't think we understand even as Christians in the Christian community, but definitely the world that if you're supposed to do this, why do you still have shortcomings? Right? Mm-hmm. You're, there's still failures, and you know, I I've said it all the time. I feel we say it in our church all the time, like. They're supposed to be Christian. Well, yes, they are. Yeah. But that doesn't mean like they're not human. Yep. Right? So yeah. one example I give, uh, and, and man, we can switch gears here because I can talk about Jesus and scripture all day, which some of you viewers may just not like and appreciate, right? Mm-hmm. We're probably getting cut off. But one example I give, like when I try to explain living by faith and receiving righteousness from Christ um, the best way, and it, this is something another pastor taught me, is like, if me and you had to sit here, and all of us, me, you, Laura, Lily, your kids, and we had to say, hey, on a scale of one to ten, let's say ten is like the most righteous person you're walking on water, right? One, you're deplorable. Where would you rank yourself? Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody goes, well, I'm probably a six, you know, I'm a seven. I got mad yesterday and, you know, or maybe I did this a couple of weeks ago. I'm, I'm a seven. No one ever, number, number one, no one ever wants to rank themselves below a five, right? We, and we all try to give ourselves. And then, but the reality is righteousness in Christ, unless I say 10, I failed. Mm. 
because that's me trying to work out m- and judging my own righteousness. Come on. When part of the Christian message and the message of Jesus is, I give up trying to be righteous, and I receive the righteousness that he gives to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm a 10. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve it. There's nothing I can do to attain it. I'm still going to have shortcomings, mm. but I'm a 10 Come on. as far as when it comes to righteousness. <clears throat> Man, so. It's weird how you said that. My mind was gauging. It was like, I'm did so, you give yourself a number? I gave myself a two. Really? Yeah, yeah. I really did. You know, because again, it's not like this level where like I know, because yeah. I know who I am, you know, and I, I'm the literal God that, you know, God has chosen the foolish things of this world. God yeah. has, you know, yeah. the, so I've learned that like, I'm the foolish one. So if he can use like a foolish dude like me, again, it's not sure. of my own, it's of him. So anything people see or experience is not on my own because I know what I can do on my own strength and it's not much, but because of his strength. People know, okay, we know that's not him, but look how he's walking and who he's walking with in him. Yeah. You know, and if, if I can give, if I can show people that hope that they can attain that, yeah. then that's, I feel like that's where I believe I want to give a new light or new, get rid of the old cliche of Christianity. To sure. Show. And, and I think to your point, the other thing you talked about, why don't these other religious groups, like people don't clown on them. And mm-hmm. I think other religious groups in their context and their place in the world, like really try to shape society and the world around them to fit their beliefs where the whole Christian message is, Mm. you know, we're strangers, you know, Mm -hmm. we're strangers passing through this place. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, like Mm. Abraham, like they say in Hebrews. And we understand that, no, we're not trying to shape societies and build empires, right? We're trying really to convert individuals and we're trying to build the kingdom of God, not soil Mm. and dirt. So, yeah, I like that. Cause it's a thought. Yeah, I mean, that's a good thought because it's one of those, even now when you say we're not trying to convert and make a, a kingdom, but again, like he said. An it, earthly kingdom. Yeah, but yeah. it's the kingdom. in our, it's the, We're shaping ourselves. You know, it's the shaping of the individual, you know, and I think yeah. that's, I think when I was sick, that's the relationship that God restored. He didn't restore what I had. He didn't restore my business. He didn't restore the success, production. He restored me. And it was in the most gentlest form I've ever experienced, God, even being in ministry and what we did all the time. It was a personal impact that he showed me through his forgiveness, his love, his mercy, even when I, I again, I deserved probably to be on that deathbed. It was one of those things he showed well, we me. We all deserve death, yeah. Yeah, and so, but even more, he didn't, like I talked, I was on a Lodo and Phillips podcast, and uh, I don't know if you saw that one. No, I didn't. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, little Philip. Yeah, it was one of those things where I, you know, like we all deserve it, but God was never that one person to say, you see, this is why you're here. This is, he never did that, you know? So, and I think I want to change my whole lifestyle for, you know, for an action to see it, not just keep talking about it, man. Cause again, to have conversations like this, it's only encouraged me, man. It's only showing me too, man. You're, you're very educated. You know, very yeah, educated. Yeah. You know, and there's and it, a story behind that, but yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and it takes a lot of time and work and you know, and it just shows where I still need to grow and want to grow, man. And again, it's not one of these things where someone forced me, someone's making me, man. It was just pure man, just patience of God just spoke. You know, and yeah. I've learned that through my wife. Our beginning marriage, you know, time of our marriage, I was very immature still. And she was patient, never clapped back, never argued, never threw thing in my face, anything. And it was, and I never, if I, if I don't get that, I, I, you know, I don't know what to do, you know? And so it's not like I was, you know, it, I was just mean, like I've said, I was just mean, but her patience, her prayers, 
only showed me where I lack, man, in God's patience. Yeah, and you got to give yourself grace, man, because mm-hmm. a lot of the things we, I mean, we only do what we've shown, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and, and part of, uh, not part of just the, well, maybe just life maturity, but just, I think the Christian life and maturity and being empowered by the Spirit is learning just to um, break those cycles, mm. mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and and yet realizing that um, there's one quote that I love that um, uh, uh, we were our ancestors' dreams fulfilled mm. and recognizing that we're constantly these beings and becoming. So, oh. but anyhow, you talked about uh, you want you, we started all this uh, pastoring. Well, because I think right. you, I think you've answered it. Man, you because- said you said where I was at Cornerstone, you saw me. Which, by the way. The time I spoke on stage, I remember at Cornerstone, that was the first time I saw the wife. I got to say it again. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the wife. The man. first time I, I, I saw the future Mrs. Delagares. And I remember while I'm speaking, thinking, she is beautiful. <laughs> and she's worshiping right there in the front. She has a black little sundress on. And mm-hmm. one of the moments that I hated in our marriage is when she chose to give it away. I wanted her to keep it. And, you know, it is what it is. It's it's just a symbol. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Uh, How long have you guys been married now? Uh, November was 24 years. 24 24 years. years we've been married. And Good for you, man. Yeah, and it's getting easier and more difficult in, in a lot of ways. And Explain you know, that. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it, you really... So one of the beauties, uh, we got. I was 18 when we got married, mm-hmm. and uh, she was 19, and then we had Ezra, our son, and uh, right away. And, uh, you know, we grew up together. All of our formative experiences as young adults... You know, as college age students, as we just grew up together. So all of our firsts, you know, experiencing restaurants and locations and vacations and destinations and mm. the Grand Canyon, hiking Yosemite, and all, you know, uh, and then we just uh, didn't have, didn't really know we were struggling when we were struggling. So if I had to develop life on my own and she did and then we married each other older and then we started struggling we might have called it quits mm. but you know we i was just so immature that some of the moments when we were fighting and struggling we just pushed through them inadvertently most innocently we were con- unconsciously incompetent mm. right unconsciously incompetent sometimes i feel like that's better <laughs> it, it is so it, it's this level of growth right you have to grow you have to go from being co- unconsciously incompetent to being consciously incompetent to actually grow. But the hardest thing is one year, once you're consciously incompetent, you recognize that you lack and people mm. do one of two things. They either grow from it and start asking for help and humbling themselves, or they make excuses and reasons for why they do the things they do. Mm. And, 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 you know, there's a whole framework there that we can go down. Go but down I, I, well, let me finish yeah, this finish about, that, we'll about Mrs. Delagarza and me. And <laughs> like, I remember this one time I, and, and she, I'm not, so I'm going to say this, but we've talked about this openly. So if you're listening or if, like you, it's not, it's not a shock that I'm going to say this, but we look back to when we're 22, 23, we have two kids. We had no clue what postpartum was back then. Mm-hmm. You know, that was 2001. Yeah. You know, there's no internet. Well, there was internet, but it's not as accessible as it is yeah. now. There's not all these websites and groups. And, and I, like, I remember being in the hospital and holding my son, and there's this constant loop playing of what to do with your newborn. And I remember them saying, are you ready for somebody to come take your kid because you don't think it's yours? And I'm like, yes. Like, I'm holding my kid, and this is great. Cried when he was born. But I remember thinking, this this is not my kid. You know, like, <laughs> wow, I'm not ready to take care of a kid. Yeah. Then we have number two, which I think statistically, and I may be wrong here, I think I remember reading one time that most women – 
their chances of having postpartum depression amplifies after the second kid for whatever reason. And I don't remember why, and I don't know if I read, but there was this moment, we're 22, 23, maybe 22. I, she's 23, maybe. And um, like, I can't get into all the details because it's her story, but she, she's fine with me sharing. When we look back now, I really think that she, we really think that she had a nervous breakdown, mm-hmm. but she was just, she was just so immature and I was so immature that we didn't know. And so I gave her some really bad advice that I would never give now. Like, baby, you just got to get through it. I'd never give that advice to anybody wow. now. Yeah. And she listened, you know, and she pushed through. But now, you know, 20 plus years later, we recognize our own physiological makeup that if we're just burned out or stressed, like, okay, I will say this. I realize now, 24 years later, I think I just realized this last year, how I get angry. Like all growing up, because there was a lot of yelling and dysfunction, you know, people went from zero to 60 real quick. And so in my mind, when somebody got angry, they were throwing things, they were yelling, they were slamming doors, they were saying things like, you can do what you want. But then like on the back end, like yelling about how they're so disappointed while they're walking away and then passive aggressively coming back hours later and saying things like, you did it, didn't you? Mm. You know, for me, that was anger. Mm. Right. It was rage. But I realized like maybe a year or two ago that when I get all growing up and all through our marriage, I prided myself on the fact that, no, I'm not an angry person. But it was because I'm not throwing things. I'm not screaming. I'm not hitting anybody. Right. I'm not being passive. That was like my that was my grid of what anger was. But I realized like maybe two years ago that when I get angry, I really disengage and I go silent. And I just don't care. And so for me, it shows up like when we're trying to make a decision, do you want to, I don't care, do what you want. That's me being Mm. angry. And that is equally as unhealthy as somebody throwing things in the house. I feel like that's worse because it's the unknown. Maybe, it's the yeah. unknown. Because yeah. you're left, even the spouse, because I've done, maybe you chime in on this, Laura, big time. Because again, you, we've, I mean, we have three kids. And I'm going to move here because my leg's falling asleep. No, yeah, go ahead, move around, dude. 40-year-old circulation <laughs> in my legs, so. And again, it's one of those things where I had to learn. I was that way, too. Yeah. You know, well, I, we all are. Yeah, and again, like you said, we didn't know because you put in Just a- didn't know. Yeah, and like we, we were young. And the people that raised me didn't know. <laughs> and contemplately didn't know. We didn't know. Yeah. And- I look back at it now, I'm like, dang, I wish I didn't say you do that. I wish I didn't act like that. I wish we would have waited. We talked about, you know, man, we rushed things and we had Kehlani outside of marriage, but I knew I wanted to be with her, but I wish I was, again, I wish I was intentionally more consciously mature. Yeah. And so, you know, what happens is, and I'm doing this with my kids, psych, I think from a counseling perspective, that story, my story, you start looking at your kids doing things better than you and you start getting jealous of them. I used to. Yeah. Can I tell you a story? No, I, I still get jealous of yeah. my kid. I get jealous of my kid has more money in his bank account than I do right now <laughs> in his savings account. Well, and he's get, probably going to get married next year. Good so. for him. Yeah. I remember you saying that, but there's yeah. a particular moment. I was Again, I was working at a brewery in Sanger, and we started noticing skills and stuff that our kids have and, and abilities to learn quick and do things. And my, my oldest has a photographic memory. She can remember certain things once. Once she listens to a song, done. We introduced her to Whitney Houston the other night. She first thing she was singing that song memory. You know, yeah. it's weird. Yeah. You know, but my son has this new thing about him, man. It's not new, but this thing I wish I was when I was a kid is um 
very compassionate, caring, respectful. You know, he 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 introduces himself. He's very open. And I'm thinking, man, I wish I was like that. And then I started telling my buddy Tommy and Sanger, I was like, just all this. And Tommy asked, are you jealous of your son? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, yeah. no one asked me that. And I'm like, I am, you know? So I realized, like, man, I got a problem, you know? So that was when, that when the whole, that's when the turning point happened to me. And it's because I knew I don't want my kids to be like me. Be I want them to be better than us, but on the path they choose, you know? Because I never want to force anything, but I, we do have you know, foundational guidance. We never want them to detour from, you sure. know, you know, but right. the thing is I want right. them to know, like, look, you make the choice to be a better person. You make the choice. We'll hop you, you know? So again, it's one of those things where we focus on, look, grow you, we'll support you. But man, remember, just keep God first as much as you feel you want. Cause I can't make you be a Christian. I can't yeah. make you follow God because all I'm doing it. Cause you think it's gonna make me happy. You make yourself happy and let God show you that, you know, and, and it's, and again, it's a spiritual, it's, it was a spiritual awakening for me, man, because I knew where we lacked. And, and again, I don't want them to make decisions like we have, but if they do, they know how, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, it's parenting. I mean, we have three teenagers. Yeah. So the two, I'm convinced like the, the most horrible realizations in life is I'm a lot, one is I'm a lot more like the people that raised me than I want to admit. Come on. And I start sounding like my uncles, and I still do it. Mm-hmm. Second hardest realization, and you got to give your adult parents some grace because there's no there's no textbook. They're doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. Like I can get mad at my family, but realizing that my family is just struggling, and so they didn't have access to mental health resources, mm. and and so their coping mechanisms are addiction, and that's what they do. But they're still hustling. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've never been hungry. As bad, at the very worst in my life, I've never been hungry. I've never not had a place to stay. So I did all right, mm-hmm. right? So one realization is hard. that's hard is, man, I'm a lot more like the people that raised me than I want to admit, and I always will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, second hardest realization is my kids are a lot more like me than I want to admit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know how we got off that. Yeah, I'm at Cornerstone. We're, we know each other. You see me on stage. We well, got, well, go ahead. No, no, where do we? Maybe we should pick up right no, where. Well, I think that's you're still along the line because we're. I think we're, we're bringing it more personal, man. Because when people think Christian pastor, or they think this, where you know they get this preconceived notion of well, that's who they are, but they don't hear this. They don't hear that on all. They hear is a guy up there talking about how you should live. God judges you. Know, and that's the very well, and low I think that's end. a surface yeah, level, surface right? Level. Because uh, and we all do this, and this is what frustrates me about the Christian world when they put like a Christian expert or they show the most extreme example of somebody going nuts, and that mm-hmm. represents the entire Christian community. Mm-hmm. You're really not looking into mm-hmm. like the local church, mm-hmm. and so and the reality is, uh, so there's a young man that grew up in my kids' church. He used to go to our Royal Ranger camps. Got filled with the Holy Spirit in our kids' church was one of our kids' workers, went to Bible college as an artist in Dallas. And about two or three years ago, he just started questioning his faith. Mm. Uh, not questioning his faith, but just the reasoning behind it. And and, and he's an intelligent kid, and he liked to talk to me because, uh, you know, I, I went to school. And so I have all these, not that I have all these answers, but he knew uh I would have resources for him for to be able to read. And long story short, he's intentionally not a Christian anymore. In his music, makes kind of makes fun of being like he used to be a Christian. But mm-hmm. when he was a kid, all his family are Christians. Um, but one of his sticking points for, of course, for him, it was all like 
He felt we were being uh, unwilling to move on issues of sexual ethics and morality and acceptance and all that stuff, and which is hard for a lot of folks to overcome, which led to a lot of conversations of me and him. And this is also works for, in between spouses and work is like, do you have to understand before you accept? Mm. Like, if this is the truth, number one, do you have to understand how it works? And if it is the truth, should you understand? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, like with spouses, that's easy, like to, to, to put into a real time situation where two spouses or uh, two, two couples, a couple is arguing and one says something and the other person says, I just don't understand. Do you have to? Yeah. Do you have to understand before you accept? Mm. But the other thing he got off on was just how horrible the church is. And my response to him through a series of conversations was, listen, you really don't know how horrible the church has been. We have been bad. You don't know how bad the church has been. You're absolutely correct. But Jesus is still, I I confess him to be Mm -hmm. this. And people doing this does not exempt that does not mean that jesus is still not this mm-hmm. but humans have been horrible to humans all through human civilization mm-hmm. whether they have the title outside of, of religion yeah, outside of all that again and i think that's kind of the not kind of but that's the problem is that it's everyone to have to have that self-righteous thought like yeah. well i'm not that bad no i think the reason why people can't stand the bible christians and all that or at least you know the christian yeah, yeah, religion yeah. Is, is the the reality is like no you are you're not going to achieve heaven just because you're good, you know? And and that's hard. That's a hard reality. It's not like I got to be perfect, but it's an understanding. Like I can't get there on my own. Yeah. And, that, and that's the truth. Yeah. And I think the other aspect to defend the church is like, when you look at the numbers, nobody gives more to charitable organizations in America than faith-based people. Mm-hmm. So you, if, if, if you're going to point out and highlight the not just the shortcomings but the failures mm-hmm. of a religious inst- institution you also have to look at like look at our hospitals look at our society mm-hmm. you know we got this conversation last night of like is america great i think it is yeah. i i think it's inevitably human and imperfect but I don't know if there's any place else I'd rather want to live. I love being coddled and comforted. I love my comforts <laughs> yeah. of being of living in the Western world, That's right? True. I love. But look at it, just in our society. Look at our hospitals. Look at the the history of the public education systems and um uh and um and charitable giving even for disasters. Majority of those uh, like eighty percent or something like that. I think I read in a statistic, and that could be wrong, but comes from faith based people. Mm. So we're quick to give. Yeah. I mean, again, again, it's easy to point out the obvious and the what's, yeah, yeah, what's, yeah, 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 what's yeah, yeah. easy, you know. So it's human nature. It is. You know, and I feel like on this show, I, w- I want to highlight that, man, we're all humans. We all make that mistake. So not one person is better than the other. Yeah. Don't come yeah. at me with that self-righteous, you know. Well, I know, you know, I, I'm the my third eye universe guy. You know, I've ascent. It's like, no, you're not, man. You take a dump just like me, bro. Relax. You yeah, know? one of my professors used to say, we're all human, and sometimes we're all abundantly human. Mm-hmm. So... Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Anyhow, so Cornerstone. We got to yeah. get back to Cornerstone. All right. Cornerstone to the bone. 1996. <laughs> I walk into the place. Jose Manzano is still there. Oh, well, You're already there. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's Cruz now, man. I go by Cruz. Oh, my dude. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I know. I'll tell you the reason why even after. But All right. Ahead. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So 
Jose's there. <laughs> and and you wanted to go off like back then. 1996. That's crazy. That's where the story began. That's crazy. That's where our story began. I know because I remember you walking up and you know, I didn't know who you were, but you were with someone and I was like, dude, you want to go to church? You wanted, what would I ask you? I think you, uh, you wanted me to be in a drama. Yeah. So here's a story what happened with that. Okay. <laughs> like, dude, I, Mary Rios uh, picks up a friend of mine. Mary Rios is a 60 year old woman who's half blind, who just would always invite people to church randomly. She stops over at some kids that are going to school in the morning, invites them to church. Some of them do. Friend of mine didn't want to go by themselves, so they invite me. So I jump in the car. They live in Pinedale. I'm living right down here where you said, right here in Old Tarpey Village, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they, that person, Mary Rios, drives all the way to Old Tarpey Village to pick me up, to drive all the way downtown to Divisadero and Fresno mm-hmm. to Cornerstone, where the Cornerstone is. It's now a community hospital building, mm-hmm. right? Um, I walk in, so I walk in, and David Perry greets me. David and I Perry. was going to school with David Perry for two years. And I, I remember one year, David Perry was like, now he was like all into gangs, gang, a gangstered out. Next year, he comes carrying his Bible, and we just yeah. converse. And he starts inviting me to church. And I never went, but I walk in, and he's there. think it's cool. Mm-hmm. you know. They do the drama. I respond to an altar call, give my life to Christ, you know, X, Y, Z. And I really don't know a whole lot, but I do know a couple of things. Like I remember saying, David was one who prayed for me, repeating the prayer, and him saying, "You're saved now." <laughs> what the heck does that mean? Yeah. You know, so go home. And I, looking back now, like I, I just, I didn't have one of those like existential experiences at the altar, right? I'm not a crier, so I didn't cry. But I do remember looking back now and. At that time, I wouldn't have been able to explain it and tell you. Mm. But looking back now, I remember like after that day, it was a Tuesday night youth night, maybe not the day after, but days, weeks after, like when I would lie, I would feel bad about it. Mm. Uh, Before then, I would lie all the time. You know, lie to my friends, lie to girls, lie to my family, lie to strangers, just to uh, you know get ahead a little bit if I could. Just s- purely self-preservation mm-hmm. would take things without asking. You know, was it stealing? Probably <laughs> had did not care. Yeah, but after that, like I just started feeling like feeling bad, thinking about like consequences and other people. Mm. And so fast forward, I'm going to the youth group for about six months on Tuesdays. Somebody invites me to Sunday. Now I'm getting really into it, right? Now, man, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the way we we understand it and describe it. Um, I'm getting excited. I'm telling people, I'm inviting from church. Now I'm getting excited about it. Mm-hmm. So somebody says, hey, you should come to church on Sunday. <clears throat> I had no clue there was church on Sunday. No, I did, but I just didn't even think about coming to church on Sunday. So what I did is I had... A friend of mine's mom dropped me off at Fresno and Divisadero. Didn't realize that Cornerstone was already meeting at the Wilson. Mm-hmm. So on Sunday morning, I get dropped off there. Nobody I know from youth group is there. Paul Binion, Westside Church of God, rented it out for Easter. It was Easter Sunday, 1996, 97. Man, that's a minute. And all of these African-American come in. 
And so I go, is this Cornerstone? Is this church? And they go, of course. They go, which church are you looking for? Are you looking for the white Cornerstone or the black church? And I was like, I have no clue. And so this lady took me in. And so I didn't realize, like, on Sunday, my very first Sunday experience as a Christian, I walked, I, I walked into a black church. Nice. And so that was like the longest church service I've ever been in. And I remember thinking, I don't know if I'm going to go back. It's just, you know, it was different. And uh, so I remember going to church on Tuesday, talking to Pastor Jerry, saying, like, I don't know, and figuring out that no church meets at the Divisadero. Yeah. So then I start going to the Divisadero on Sundays. My aunt starts taking me in the morning. She's ma- not mad, but she, she, has the, she could be resting right on her day off, but she's taking me. And I, with no plan, this is before I had a cell phone, before Uber, no plan on how I'm going to get back to Tarpey Village from downtown Fresno. Like, hey, take me to Fresno, drop me off, I'll find a ride. I don't know. You know, somehow I end up back home. And maybe sometimes I walked. Sometimes and that's, a, that's far. Well, we walked all the time. Yeah, like, we me, and a, me and a couple of friends that I had here in Clovis, like we would walk all the way to uh, one of my friends in Clovis moved to Blackstone and Shields, and we would walk back and forth. It's just what we did as kids, right? But uh, <clears throat> remember going to Cornerstone probably about three or four months. And I remember walking in and just saying, man, there's a lot of people here. Mm-hmm. Didn't know anybody, sat by myself. And remember just having the thought like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I want to, I, I ain't got no friends here. Friends I had at school. I just inadvertently stopped hanging out with them because I was trying to be a Christian and do this Jesus thing. And so it just felt really like lonely, bro. And I remember getting up during a service, having to go to the bathroom, and I walk out, and you're there, and you have like this. I think you guys had just did a drama or something like that. Mm-hmm. You had a white robe, so you were probably an angel. <laughs> and you go, and, yeah, and you go, hey, your name's TJ. I was like, yeah, my name's TJ. I'm Jose, and we start chatting. And you go, do you want to do this stuff like drama, like really, like no tact whatsoever? None of us had tact. Like didn't even like get into it. And you're like, just show up on Thursday. We do dramas on Thursday. (laughs) And I think uh, Chris Escobedo did the dramas then, Mm -hmm. right? I think you didn't even tell him, right? I think it was like a closed off group. Yeah. So I went Tuesday. I think I went Wednesday to Bible study because we used to do Bible study. And and, uh, this was after Pastor Jerry left. And then I'm in the alley by myself and Chris's car rolls up and you and him get out and you go... Hey, and you like introduced me to Chris. You introduced me to Chris. This is the guy that's gonna be in the drama. So that, bro, (laughs) kept me that that connected me to the life of the church. Mm. And so then I started getting in dramas after Sundays. Like I would go over your house, you and your brother. We'd hang out, go back to church on Sunday night. And I think one of the first Sunday Sunday night things I went to in youth group, Yak and Snacks, is what they did. It was at Nathan's house. Nate, I don't remember his last name, had a handlebar mustache, had the pompadour. I think that's him. And I I I rode with you to like, but dude, that kept me, that got me into the life of the local church. Mm. And if I didn't get plugged in to the life of the local church, because from there, like even struggling, thinking like, man, I'm still doing this stuff, like really feeling bad. We went to men's retreat, me, yeah. you, David Perry, and another guy I don't remember. And I, cause I think your dad went to men's retreat, <clears throat> Ed Young. I, I think Ed Young paid for me and asked me if I wanted to go. Like I said, getting into the local church and having people know me 
and learn about me so that they can reach out and say, hey, do you want to go to men's retreat? Mm -hmm. Mind you, at this point, I'm a senior in high school now. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's 97, fall of 97. We go to this men's retreat at Heartland and it's cool. But one of the like most spiritually formative things that happened in my life, I met, we're at men's retreat, we're playing, we're having fun. Then we get in the cabin and everybody starts talking and they start talking about their struggles. Mm. And I remember thinking, here's Ed Young, who's younger than I am now at the time. But in my mind, he's like this grown adult. Yeah, that's the super Christian that has everything figured out and hearing men like that confess their shortcomings. And I, I remember in the moment in real time, just sitting on the bunk thinking, man, me too. Mm. Right. Because mm-hmm. here I was all by myself thinking I'm the only one that is dealing with these issues. Mm-hmm. Right. And hearing a group of men who, in my mind, are spiritually far, well, they were spiritually long farther, but thinking they're spiritual giants, and Mm -hmm. I could never attain and be like them. Mm. But hearing them confessing things that I am struggling with as well just made me... But all, all of those things, it wasn't one moment, right? It was David Perry inviting me, Mary Rios driving me, you reaching out to me, Chris driving us places, Ed Young paying for me to go to men's retreat. It's it's the community of faith, bro. It's mm-hmm. the fellowship of the saints mm-hmm. that built my Christian life. And, mm-hmm. and the reality is, but the same thing happened in my growing up years, just in a different way. Mm-hmm. So. I mean that's, uh, <clears throat> I mean that's beautiful, man. Because you you don't you use the word beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. Yeah, you didn't say like that's cool. That's tight. That's beautiful because you think you don't know. What, yeah, it is. You don't know what you do for people. Yeah, you know, I no, didn't no. know that, bro. Yeah. And, and every every time I tell my story, I mention Jose. So I yeah, I may not say your name, but I say like this one dude. And there's multiple stories. Say like, my like, name. Hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Is that Rihanna? Yeah. All right, Rihanna. Beyonce. Yeah. I don't know one of them. And but you know like there's mul- there's many stories like that of individuals and people that I've gotten to know, and and I wouldn't have known that if I didn't um, connect with a local church life. If I got mad because people aren't who I projected my ambitions on them mm. to be, come on, and and just persevere through those things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's so true because again, you never know. I mean that I feel like that that's my message to like my 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 example I try to live to my kids and my family it's like you never know who you impact just you know you're going to have your bad days let them go you know let them run their cycle and then just move on but remember we're here for a bigger purpose it's not of our own you know but just to I don't know again you never know I didn't know I didn't know most of all this yeah I mean, you know, this is new information, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't know how it was going to end up in the moment. You just, mm-hmm. you know, you take opportunity. Now I, I could have said, no, nah, man, I don't want to go to drama. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. I showed up, mm-hmm. you reached out. I showed up. I could have said, no, nah, I don't want to go to church. Mary Rios was there, but I didn't show up. Mm-hmm. You know, Ed, I think it was Ed Young who paid for men's retreat. I could have not gone. Mm-hmm. And because all of those moments were moments that they were really awkward for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody. It's a new space. Everybody knows everybody else. You're the new guy. So, yeah. And it's intimidating, man. It's intim- very intimidating. Yeah. And again, 
I think even now being out of church for you know for some time, we've gone back visit. It's it's intimidating to start over too. You know? Yeah. But, oh heck yes. You know. Are you guys not going to church now, or you are? We are, but it's been a minute. It's been like a few weeks. So you're not. So, but yeah, are we're you, not. Yeah, okay, but it's been a few know. weeks. Yeah. Are you are you guys in a relationship or not? We are, but we're not. You know. <laughs> well, I guess we're not. You yeah, know. I don't real. know. Yeah. You know. But again, I've learned now. It's like. Just got to start somewhere, man, because you never know. And we're we're in a big crossroads. I think I'll talk to you <clears throat> after this because no one knows about this, man. But I'll, this I is a public announcement, right? No, now? it's oh, not. It's okay. not. It's not right. going to be. You can't. You are know? you taking this out? Or are you gonna Are you gonna say something like major right now? No. Oh, okay. My after bad. I'm my serious. Bad. I mean, all y'all gonna be on a cliffhanger, yeah. man, listening and watching. You know, but I don't know, man. Like now, let's get into like where are you like what are you doing now? Because I don't know how much time. How much time do you have left? Oh, bro, I you got time? I got time, but can we take a break? Yeah, yeah, go. We got a. I'm getting a phone call. Go ahead, take, take that call. No, I'll no, carry it. I'm getting a Mother Nature phone call. Oh, go take that call, man. <laughs> yeah, I got. Yeah, it'll be a quick call. Be yeah, a quick call. Go to five. I'm, I'm gonna keep it going. Go ahead, roll. Uh, man, as TJ goes pee, huh? Just go out through the door. My son will show you. Caleb. Yeah, yeah. Caleb will show you. They're good. He's good folk. Um, but it's a trip again, Lily. You know, you guys are listening and watching. You know, I mean, this is more. This brings me back home to where I started. I guess in my belief as a believer, as a Christian, because you guys heard me talk about this a lot, and my goal not is not to just be over preachy and be you know. Because again, I, I don't want to say I'm over that man, but I do feel like I'm getting a newfound respect and love, appreciate appreciation for that, you know. And so, I mean, Laura, what do you think? I mean, you've been sitting in here listening to all this. It's just uh, going off of what you're saying. <clears throat> um, I mean, we are here to tell Lily. Get the, the camera on her. Here stories, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that doesn't mean we're only one group of stories. Yeah. Or you know, this is everybody's story mm -hmm. this is everybody's still here moments so it's not we're not going to be selective mm. you know and we have tons of people in our lives that you know don't go to church we have people in our lives that do go to church but we need to be able to relate to everybody mm -hmm. and not just exclude them oh this is a oh you don't believe or think like this yeah right now. well or they're listening to an artist. Oh, I'm not into that stuff. Well, give them, give these people a chance. This mm -hmm. is their story. Yeah. Everybody wants to be heard. Mm -hmm. I like that. You know, it's true. And I, I think, again, I never want to get locked into one category. Again, I believe, you know, like TJ was saying earlier, you know, I am a believer. I love God, man. I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, you know, but my, me more than just saying that is, is more important because I want to just live it. And it's not one of those things where I throw it out there just nonchalantly, like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, but act one way or the other outside of what I say and believe, especially being on a podcast, you know. And so, dude, talking to you now, again, brings it brings me back into, like, a like man, just, <clears throat> I was telling my wife right now, I, it's, it brings me back to more appreciation in my relationship with God more. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I, I my real, I, and I'm same. My, and my relationship with God and the church. So well, remember, yes. yeah, yeah. Well, you remember, and 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 we don't. I, I don't want to say any names. Number one, uh, because I feel that would be gossip. 
but I feel you would get it and I would get it, and whoever is connected gets it. We can reference moments, mm-hmm. but recognizing that church and churches and people, pastors and parishioners, we're all imperfect and make have shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned is you can't uh, identify uh, as people by their weakest moment or moments. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, the one thing that I always think about when I think about the church is, you know, the example we gave that man, I'm a ten because I'm righteous in Christ. Mm-hmm. If I accept that, what I also have to accept is. You're a ten too. Mm, I like the that. person who did me dirty is a ten too, mm. right? The pastor that I felt for whatever, they're also a ten, mm. and that's part of the community of faith. So community, <laughs> it's, the, it's the fellowship of the saints. We got to look up as synonyms for, or, or was it the altar? Yeah. Yeah, I have no problem using the word. I just hate the way that word's used primarily by. Yeah younger adults Mm -hmm. so i know it gets real cliche gets real just redundant you know and i think i'm over that but i think what you said and i think that's kind of where my my faith has grown man like like consistently man is that you know because it put god restored my faith in that you know we're slowly at a point you know where we're getting into some decisions that i'll talk to you after about um even getting your counsel man and again, it's not like I've, you know, all, you know, because one of the things I, I think my bad experience is that you see all people made a mistake. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. they're sat down and then the, the pastor says, oh, now you're ready after five years. Yeah. And it's like, really, you know, I don't know again, but again, it's like, I never want to be that guy to keep making the same mistake over. I want to learn. I want to grow. You know, I don't want to be that person, man. It's just on a, on a cycle of just situations you put yourself in and I never want to be that. And I think that's the stigma of a Christian is all oh, those guys do this. Those guys say this, they treat people like this. And I don't want to be that person, you know, and I don't want to reflect God, you know, in that manner, his word, the church, you know? So, and I feel like it became more of a personal thing because I stopped, you know, when you said that, I thought about certain people, you know, that we've experienced or anything. It's like, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard yeah. for me to see people as a 10. Yep. But know that you know what I know I'm not. You but know? you are, well. Yeah. But again, I know. But the thing is, is that we're all under that umbrella of grace. So who am I? Because God didn't do that to me. Right. We don't have a monopoly. Yeah. On grace. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't have this monopoly on grace, and we don't control who gets grace and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. So. So I cannot do that. When Jesus said, "Father, forgive them." And I can't, you know, I'm not going to be that guy, man. I cannot. And I've never, dude, I've never, I've said this before. I've never hated, genuinely say, I've never in my life said, I I hate that person. Because I've always had this fear growing up, knowing that, you know, if you have hatred in your heart towards your brother, that verse always stuck to me. I may have interpreted, read too deep into it, didn't finish the first verse before that or after. I just knew that part. I didn't want to have hate. So I don't hate genuinely nobody. I've been hurt by people, but I cannot live in that hurt. I want to be healed from that because I've been, maybe you can help me out with this too, is that I've been speaking my experiences, though they are true, but I've been speaking from hurt at one point. And though it's true, I'm putting it out there, you know, and it's like, I'm not really healed from it. So God has really healed me. So I've learned to speak from healing, man, because I can't put out something that I know I haven't healed from. And it's only going to hurt somebody else's hurt. Add to like a, I mean, well, I feel the same way. It's like stacking Legos. Well, his, you know, it makes me feel that's true. You know, it's only bringing back the the drudgery of the feeling, you know. Yeah, and like I said at the beginning is when we tell those stories, we're always the heroes in the Mm -hmm. stories we tell, 
right? Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, when I tell a story, it, it has this tendency to say, and I told that guy. Yeah. I never tell a story and go, and they told me, mm. you know, and I had to admit I was, yeah, I just, <laughs> I like we're always the heroes in the stories we tell. Man, you know, it's so funny you say that because I clearly, I can tell you 100%. Even or let me, maybe this is better because I don't want to diminish like actual legitimate hurt and trauma, yeah. right? My kids are are textbook Gen Z kids and everything's trauma. And part of it is not really, it's just kind of how they express themselves, but our upbringing was so traumatic. And I'm thinking, really? You grew up in our house? You think it was, <laughs> for whatever reason for them, it's their story. But I think the human tendency is to all, mostly and normally be heroes in the stories we tell, mm-hmm. right? History is always written by the winners. Mm-hmm. So I know, I'm very aware. There's not, na- yeah, I'm sorry. No, but- no, no, go ahead. Well, I'm very aware of that because I, because you, when you, until you said it, I mean, because dude, I'm not educated. You've told me many countless times, you know, Jose, go to seminary. You know, if you want to be a pastor, you know, you know, you know, and I always, you don't need a, you don't need a degree because Jesus never had it. But this is why, you know, you're very educated. And this is challenging me now to a, attempt that in 2023, man. Because um, again, I'm looking at it, it's like, I can't. I don't know, man. I'm lost when it comes to certain topics, certain, you know, theologies or whatever, man. But I've learned to keep things so simple. And the hearing seeing your education, man, it, it's it's obvious. It's very, it's very, yeah. it's very open. You know, what's the word I'm looking for, man? Rel or no, I don't know. I'm lost. Again. Broad, robust. Broad. It is, it is robust. Robust. You know. <laughs> but again, it's so it's so awesome to have you here and talk about this stuff, dude, because my I've learned to see my growth for what it is. Here's what I was trying to say. I've learned now this year, especially, that I've stopped portraying myself as the hero in the story mm. i really have it's tough man it's tough to do yeah because it, it keeps tough. when i'll tell you a story and everyone's thousands you know, i've heard the people have heard this thousands of times man but when i was sick and i finally can get up i've lost like 60 pounds i look gray dead you know eyes yellow glazed over just haven't seen myself in a while man so i finally had some strength to stand up and look myself in the mirror here, here at the house. Yeah, here at the house. Here at the house. Okay. And I'm in my room. I'm Laura when, house. when was this? This was this year? Yeah, last year. Last year. Okay. When I was You're out, out of the hospital. COVID. Yeah. Still recovering. The sec- after the second, the second time. time. Okay. And um, so Laura helps me up. It's like three in the morning because if I'm not sleep, because I couldn't sleep. I was afraid to fall asleep because I thought I was going to die. And mm. the kids are always aware they were up. They're all of them. I became like the fifth baby of the house, you know, because I just became a zucchini man. And so when I finally can stand up, they helped me up. I looked myself in the mirror and I just, I broke, I, I fell to my knees. It's like, God, this is not me. I couldn't recognize myself. I was like, man, I'm a grown man and I'm done. So my wife prayed for me. And I said this before Lily right here, she prayed for me, man. And she, and she prayed um, a simple prayer. You know, God had to strip you down to nothing to remind you of who he is in your life. You're not where you thought you were. And I've lived that since that prayer last year that I'm not, I'm not where I think I am, you know, and I'm not afraid to admit that. I'm not afraid to know that, hey, I'm not the hero in the story. And I think I've accepted that more because, again, I'm now more open and honest. If someone asks me, hey, are you like this? I'm like, yeah, but I'm growing. You know, it's hard to admit that because, again, if I feel like now I'm not growing, dude, I'm I'm stuck and I hate feeling that. That's why you see on my series, on my show, it's like, Season one, just, you know, normal. Season two, let's step it up. Season three, if I want to grow, I want to keep constantly challenging myself to grow. 
and attempt new things, new topics, you know, because this is our, the first podcast other than like Lodo, but getting into the deep relationship with, you know, at least we have as brothers, you know, as as really good friends, as Christians and getting into the story, you know, of that or just that life story, man, is really challenging me now because it only shows again where I'm lacking mm. and where I need to grow still. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I'm 41 years old. You know, and I had this mentality before I got sick, and he, she can attest to this, man, is that I thought I was there. I thought I was it. COVID made us. When it first happened, it made us. My buddy Roski, he was like, COVID either made you or broke you, and it made me, and I, I let that get to me. And I thought, man, this is people know me. Dude, when I was taken away, dude, I was nothing. Yeah. You know? And I, So you, I, got, you got COVID. Did you, <clears throat> and you, you like... You right away went to the hospital, or like you just got sick and you were trying to recover at home. You were at home a week before, and then like at what point did you know like, man, I need to go. To, I need to go to the hospital. When what point was that? Was it September last year? It was like three days. August into. three days into it, yeah. you got, got it in August. And what was happening? Like, like what was happening to you from your perspective and your body? Well, I just started feeling weak. I started feeling it, it felt like the flu, but worse. Okay. Because we have all had the flu, and it just feels like your body's just... But it's getting worse. Yeah, it's getting worse. And then I started realizing, you know, when you take that deep breath, and it's like you feel that nice gulp, that's like, ooh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't do that. Okay. And so you felt like you couldn't catch your breath, mm-hmm. or what was happening? Yeah, I couldn't catch a breath, and I felt like I needed strength. So I was like, I made myself go lay out in the backyard during August. It was hot, but I needed sun. So I was like, I just needed to feel alive. I felt like I was dying. Yeah. I needed to feel the heat and I couldn't feel that, you know, I didn't lose my uh, sense of taste. I lost my smell, but I just felt like I was dying. I told Laura, I, like, I got to go in and bear in mind, my family was all, we were all down. Everybody was sick. Yeah. Oh, all y'all, all, yeah. like all five of y'all had yeah. it? Okay. You know, everybody, the same level of sickness or? I got the worst. You got the worst. Mm-hmm. Lily, you were bad. We were just, da- we were just down. Okay. Okay. No energy. Just Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah they yeah, were. Yeah. But it hit me the so, worst. So dumb question. I'm I'm so sorry. And, and this is going to get a lot of people mad, but like, were you guys taking precautions or you're like, no, we're just going to live it and push through it? We were. Okay. You All right. know, we yeah. had people over, but it wasn't just like we were bringing people over. Because I know these guys. I know these people that just, they go to work and go home. They were We were in the middle of our podcast. We knew, like, I knew the people's routine because we worked together. It's not like I was just out there, you know. And, you know, we wore masks. You know, I didn't get vaxxed. I still am not. Um I don't know if I should I should have, but it you know that's another topic if you want to yeah, get into. Well, I mean, you know, but I, I would I would prefer not to. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Just because of the cultural nuances of what you're never going to say anything right. Yeah, and I don't. It breaks my heart. I don't know who's who was happier in the middle of COVID. Yeah, like people who were immunized that they, that were happy that their friends that weren't got sick or people who weren't, that got happy that the friends who were got sick. And yeah. I just like, Oh man, it's broke my stuff, heart. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I was just, and I, I'm keeping my opinions to myself. Yeah, that's real. And just, this is what I'm trying to do mm-hmm. uh, or in the middle of COVID. And, uh, and oh, I, that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, well, I even hate it. I, I'm thinking now, should we have even broached that topic just because it's still so divisive and it breaks my heart. But yeah. And I found out again, you find out who were your real friends, man. And it, it sucked. You know, I don't mind talking about it. You know, I'll say what I need to say, man. But when people found out I was sick, I did get those messages like, you see, you should have gotten vaxxed. You know, it's, it wasn't that. You know, I got, I got hit with somebody who was being very irresponsible. 
And he found out he was sick and it was the other host from my other show. And we told him, dude, stay home. And I'm not going to be a person like, no, you're a liar. You're a liar. You know, just start calling people liars because I I want to be believed that, hey, you say you're just, it's the allergies. Come over. We'll shoot a pod. And we shoot a podcast. We felt fine. He said it was allergies. And he probably didn't know. No, he knew. Okay, maybe we should edit this. Yeah, part but out. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I'm very I, yeah, open just, about that, you know. But th- that's the thing, though. That's that was the tough part because I trusted him, and because <clears throat> I knew if I felt any type of way, I'd be like, "Screw it, lock it down." I'm, I'm I wanted to be very um, just responsible, you know, on the at least our end, you know, take the right precautions, man. But he didn't, and so that's kind of what tipped it over. And we were end up in the same hospital on the same floor. He just had it like four or five, six days, seven days before I went in or something like that. And then, yeah, dude, it was one of those things where it's like that went downhill from there, you know? So I wanted to, you know, again, I've lost friendships because of that. And, you know, but again, what a crappy thing to happen to our nation because again, it showed the oh, world, the world, you know, just split friends, family, all that just for something. And, but after all that sickness, man, during that, the recovery was the hardest part. You know, because again, I, I found myself at the lowest point in my life. And again, I told Lodo, I told, I told everybody, I didn't realize that that actually that many people liked me. <clears throat> Dude, hundreds mm. upon hundreds. I would mm-hmm. say from phone calls, text messages, Facebook DMs, Instagram DMs, um, whatever once, man, it, it, there's about close to 500, 600 people just nonstop. And I and I was like, I have them saved. I just got to write them all down, you know. But it was insane to support. And there was about those five, six people that were sending those. Oh, you should have been this. You just it's like that. That didn't compare to what the love I had, man. And so, and again, that's where I guess again, God showed sure. me. God showed me it's like, dude, you still love, man. You're not where yeah. you think you are. <laughs> yeah. You know, still, yeah. You know, quit beating yourself up. And then you get out. <clears throat> It was hard. How man. long? Well, how long were you in the first time? The first time I was in there for like three weeks. Dang. Yeah. Okay. Then I was home. Getting about, better, going up, going no, down, really going worse, down, down. We, but they let you out when it was going yeah. down. Yeah. Well, my oxygen levels were at. I will. I was only needing like five percent oxygen. Yeah. Which was the goal. So I got to that. But when I got home, it's weird. They never sent me home with anything. So I was like, all right, you're you're done. That was it. You know, and so when I got home, I had my oxygen tanks. I had, I was doing, I was going through oxygen, oxygen therapy, but I didn't realize how my, um, I didn't, they didn't realize probably how bad my immune system was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So a week and a half later, dude, it just kept getting worse and worse. And she started noticing certain things, man. And so I ended up getting bacterial double pneumonia. Serious. Yeah. Cause I had the COVID Delta variant double pneumonia. So my lungs, when I saw them the first time, were like 85% destroyed both. Good grief. Yeah, dude. The scar tissue was because every time I, every time I was like, take, take a breath, you know how when you just grab a tree and it's like you can feel the ridges? That's how it felt every time I, breathed, mm. like I took a breath. Mm. So the second time I told her, I got to go back. So they treated me as a COVID patient. You know, I didn't have it. They just treated me as a COVID patient. And so the it, second time you went back in for the pneumonia. It was bacterial double okay. pneumonia. Yeah. yeah. And so then that's when it got worse and that's when my health kind of just, my lungs got destroyed twice. Yeah. You know, and they were filling up with liquid. And or, so if we would have waited one more day, yeah, he would have been gone. Yeah. Serious. Yeah. <clears throat> but because mm-hmm. we were so, re- we were relying on oxygen tanks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be portable to take him. Um, 
we were just, hey, let's just wait because we get a whole shipment tomorrow. You know, Gosh. Just, so, and we were talking to nurses. We're always on the phone all day. Was there any the moment, nurses. Lori, you thought, eh, he can go? No. <laughs> <laughs> Insurance policy is paid up. Yeah. He served his purpose. He'll provide for us better if he just gets just promoted. Goes. He just gets promoted. Just promoted. Yeah. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. That's kind of my way of trying to process. My, my natural bent is to go to humor. Yeah, it is. Right? As a, as, as a coping that. mechanism. So probably a bad joke. You were, no. you were saying. No, but good thing that we took him in because it was really close and we didn't. He didn't have a lot of the symptoms that you know pneumonia has. Is yeah. he wheezing? Is he doing this? He didn't. But um, golly, yeah, it was really close. And so, what was the recovery process like coming home from the hospital after having double pneumonia? You had to have an oxygen tank with you wherever you went mm-hmm. for how long? Well, no, it was the whole time. Um, when we got home the second time, we knew what Whoop. we needed to do, and that, that we had one of my doctors there was actually man beautiful just I, the second time around man it was just the doctors and the nurses were just amazing people and they took the time to tell me what's wrong they gave me like a whole i because there was there there's times there the whole time that i had to be on my stomach prone for 16 17 hours a day jeez and i had to get up to move around so but to move around is like i ran a marathon so it was very hard for me to do anything so they pretty much were just i was just flopping around that's i had no strength you know so when I finally started figuring out how to get strength, because one nurse guy's like, dude, I had what you had last year. So he wrote down his whole list and stuff, man. And um, so I started following the schedule, and I was in there for another th- two, three weeks. And I started following that schedule to the T, because the first time I was trying to purposely leave, I was fighting. I was like, I need to go. I can beat this at home. I would have died. Second time, I was like, no, I need to know I'm here, and this is what I'm doing. So I I, I threw everything out the window. So this is it. So when that finally happened, man, the doctors are, right, you're ready to go home. So I went home. We had all, like, we took Intramax, all the vitamins, all everything, well, man. Nurses One of the nurses. One of the nurses. list of vitamins to take. Serious. How, how so many, many was it? Uh, <clears throat> I would say about five. <clears throat> five, five vitamins? Ones, okay. And then um, when he went for it, doctor, for, primary doctor. She gave him a steroid, and that steroid we resolved the turnaround. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, but mm. that thing made me a diabetic too, so I had to change my whole eating. Do you diabetic now? No. Oh, it'd be back then. Yeah, okay. back then, you know. And so, I mean, maybe I am, you know, because of my eating. But we, we just the recovery was hard, man, because I couldn't just get up like, oh yeah, I gotta go, just go. You know, I had to. They had to wheel me, or mm. our living room became mm. the, the the room where everything was done. Hospital room, everything, man. And so the simplest little things, I she had a bedpan out there. Everything, golly, no, the the chair. But it was scary for me to move from here to here. Golly, it was seriously that scary, man. Because every time I did, it was just, I couldn't breathe. You it know, would take an hour for him to use the restroom. Serious, we'd mm-hmm. go through a whole process of an hour. Yeah, every so time. every time she had to leave, we made sure that I had to use, at least use the restroom when she was here, you know, because it was, it was tough, man. Because if she was gone, I'm like, I got to use the restroom. I got to go, you know, like I can't move. I'm that weak. And so when she'd come home, I'd go and, you know, just, again, I had to keep the same routine, stay on my stomach, you mm. know. You know, I'm so sorry you guys had to go through that. It so was so sorry. It was tough. Because you know what I'm thinking as a guy is I'm thinking every time I go to the doctor, 
good. I'm at the doctor a couple of days later, though. I get an envelope and I get the bill. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of fighting off having a shoulder surgery just because I know, like, eh, I can use that money for other stuff. So mm-hmm. that's how we were. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You you go through COVID, you go through some, or, you know, for you, a sickness, pneumonia, you go through something like that, you get that low. Man, the heat, the health and coming back to your body is the beginning of your recovery because then you have the added stress with, like the financial aspect that mm-hmm. that causes. And would you rather have my husband, my spouse, my dad here, even if we have to, you do all of that, those mental gymnastics in mm-hmm. your mind. If you're like me, I'm probably sitting there thinking like, man, I just cost my family all this. Well, I'm Native American too, bro. Oh. I get hooked up. Okay. 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 <laughs> so again, we're blessed, you know, so, but we, that was far from my mind, man. I was like, I just need to be home. You know, I'm, I didn't realize. You did make. Mm-hmm. He did uh, tell me what he wanted me to do. If something happened, if yeah, if, yeah, he, yeah. He told the kids. We had our last big conversation about that before the, the, it, the, the night before I was. We went. I went back in the hospital. So what was that like? Like you just pull your kids and say, "Hey, we got to have a talk." Yeah. yeah, I mean, we. I mean, Lil, if you want to take a break from, I mean, we haven't talked to you. You know, you want to talk about that? You don't have to. Yeah, you, you don't. don't you to. don't have yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not yeah. right now. But, but Laura, from y'all's perspective, from both y'all's Laura. perspective. Uh, it, uh, just hearing him talk about not making it, it just broke my heart. Mm. And we, I know it was getting really serious when he, when he actually thought those words and made them come out. I was like, dang, this guy has, he's losing his faith or he's losing his. So faith. did you go into fight or flight? Did you go? Did you go into like we're gonna get through this, or did you start thinking like we're not? Why well, wasn't giving up? Yeah, I just knew he needed. I couldn't help him anymore. Physically, here it was getting too hard. I knew there's nothing. If he's not getting better, he's getting worse. So I knew the best thing to do is go to the hospital so they could help you. And um, but yeah, hearing him give his last words to the kids and everything that was, we're bawling. We're all crying. It's like this is not mm. real. Mm. You know, just keeping our faith in God. Just like, you know, God, you brought Jose through a lot of stuff. You know, I always thought, I always think of Jose as a cat of nine lives because this guy <laughs> does not die. <laughs> <laughs> Even, Even if, if it's self trauma or anything or experiences, falling through roofs, cutting his leg, um, God's not done with him. And I knew that it was just Jose, God needed Jose's attention. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, it was it was one of the hardest things because again, as you know, as a man, as like you know, you, you know, you know, we'll walk it off. We don't need to go. I never went to the hospital before that. The last time I went to the hospital before that, I stepped on a nail and I knew I needed to go get a tetanus <laughs> shot. But that was it, you know. And before that, nothing. And so that night was the hardest night because I didn't I didn't want my kids to feel like I, I'm giving up on them. I wanted to show that, like, I'm accepting this, and maybe God needs my attention. Maybe God, I don't know, you know, but I wanted to make sure, like, I apologized to all of them how I was and how, you know, how I <laughs> would treat them. And, you know, when you said, when I get angry, I get angry, but do I do, I shut off too, you know, before I shut off and stuff. And so I was like, look, I went from top down, man, especially to my son, you know, especially putting an expectation of what a man is. You right. Know, I'd never wanted right. to do that to him. And I found myself doing that. And then when I, that night, I remember telling him specifically, look, look, son, 
this is when I realized it's okay to be better than me. I don't want you to hold yourself back because you think I'm going to be mad. If you think you're going to walk around eggshells around me because you think, oh, dad's mad, I'm sorry. That's my fault as a father, as a man, as a human. I made those mistakes and I consciously, you know, put that on me. And he was, and these kids were very aware, you know, of, they were very aware of that conversation. And I told him, look, I want you to achieve your best level with our help, but because knowing you can do it, not because you think it's going to make mom and dad happy. It's not about that. What you're going to do, God's going to do in you, and we're going to be there to support you, even if it surpasses us light years. Guess what? I want to know that. I want you guys to know you don't need to make me happy unless you're not happy first. Yeah, yeah. You know, and all of them. So, dude, I'm loving the conversation. I feel like me and you were catching up. This is probably a super boring podcast. No, I'm not. But, but do we need to get back to Cornerstone? No. 97, baby. No. But 97. It's no, but that's what I'm saying. It's real, man. Yeah, man. yeah. I kid you not. A lot of people have heard these stories, man, but still, they haven't really heard details, you know. And again, to talk to you about it. I mean, if you want to end it, I'm down to end it. No, no, no. I'm good. I'm yeah, good. You know, but I can go on. Whatever questions you have, you know, I'm down to talk about anything too, man. But again, when it came to them, it was more important. Because you look back at what you were taught, like my parents didn't know what they were putting on me. They, I didn't they, know they that. did their they did their best. <clears throat> yeah, they and, did their best. And look, and now that we're aware, right. now that we know, and now that we have like the, like the mental health and what the really what's the problem is like now we can focus on it and dime in on the problem, and they are aware again of that. You know, like the reason why I'm a cruise is the only reason why is because my mom sold me my brother's identity and never fixed the name. I'm mine. It's supposed to be Jose Gregorio Cruz. I know, I know it's Gregorio. I know that. I know that since we used to, yeah. we used to laugh about it. You guys it. called me Gargoyle. We used to call, we call you Gregorio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but now well, my mom, Barbara. It she, just seems like Gregorio. Yeah. Oh. Hey, Gregorio. <laughs> he's here. Yeah. And well, that's so funny because now it's Jose Gregorio Manzano Cruz. Got it. Got it. Manzano. So that's I, why. I went yeah. by Manzano in 2000, well, up till 2006. I got my job at Channel 24. I got the job. The HR was like, uh, we need to talk. You know, you have two last names. Why do you have two names or two last names? I, was like, I don't know. I have all these names. Well, we're not going to hire you. So come to find out, I'm supposed to go by Cruz. So I went by Cruz since 2006. You know, they're all under Manzano. Yeah, bro. <laughs> like, dude. It's probably the last time we chatted and talked, man. I just, I, I'm sitting here listening to all this and thinking, like, dude, I'm glad we're friends. I'm glad we can connect, see each other every now and then. But like, lamenting that I don't know all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, that happened to a lot of us. I mean, I have passport issues just because Delagarza is my mom's last name. It's mm -hmm. not my dad's. My birth certificate has my dad's last name. And it just, you know, it's the communities we come from, bro. Mm -hmm. Jose's birth certificate says father unknown. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> All my other siblings like, have really? all my dad. His dad. Every time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fidel. Yeah. Are you really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. But I don't know. I love dude. I love I mean that stuff talk. that stuff happened in those hospitals back then. So Yeah, my mom, she was eighteen, seventeen, eighteen when she had me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Young, man. My dad was a Now you, your brother and your sisters, all same mom and dad, right? From what I know. Yeah. Well, them, you know. I mean, y'all look alike. You guys can tell y'all are brother and sisters. Yeah. You guys all have the same features. Mm -hmm. So That comes from my mom big time. Yeah. 
You know, especially me and Juanita. Me, me and Juanita are straight up twins. For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and and Junior and Letty. Yeah. Twins. Straight up. Right? Yeah. yeah. And they're the shortest ones in the family. You know? Right, right, right. You know, that comes from that Oaxacan side, you know. But again, I mean, it's... Yeah, I was going to say something about Oaxaca, but go ahead. No, Not I'm, like the Fresno... Was it the, Arte, the Museum Artes Americano? Yeah, they're doing a Oaxacan thing right now. Are they? Yeah. I, I didn't they're know. doing like some Oaxacan... Artists, they're showcasing him. I was thinking of going, but I don't know. We may not. Yeah. I was looking for museums because our daughter's a history major and she wants to be a history professor. Oh wow! And, or, or museum curator, and so mm-hmm. which is a very small market, but she's wanting to re- work towards that. But we were looking at some museums to go to. Oh, but. that's cool. Yeah, I mean it's right downtown, mm-hmm. you know, right there. So I mean, I don't know, man. What do you think? Last, I mean, we'll end it out, man, because I'm kind of getting hungry too. But we didn't even get started. We're still stuck at ninety-seven and Cornerstone, well, dude. Well, I mean, I think we've again. Well, what do you got planned for the future as a pastor? Because I know you went through some transitioning. You know, we don't need to get in crazy details, but what are you doing right now? Then what? What do you find? Where do you find yourself? Where do you want to go in like 2023 as a pastor? Are you going to start your own church? Because now you talked no, about moving. No, I'm back not going to gonna start a church. No, I'm not going to start a church. Uh, I mean, so where I'm at right now, I work on staff as a pastor on staff at a church in the Dallas area. Um, Love it. Church kind of went through a pastoral transition. I helped with that. Um, And, you know, I feel like I am built, made, called to be a pastor, to be a pastor of a Christian community. Mm -hmm. And so that's the trajectory of my life that I'm trying to get to. and I and I teach uh, for a small Bible college part time. I want to keep doing that. Yeah, I, I eventually that. want to do some doctoral work because I got two masters. We didn't talk about that. Dang. Really, really like mad that you didn't let me flex that. Flex it. I mean, no. let's get so into I got that. two masters. That's it. I got a, a a dual religious studies masters from Fuller Theological, and then a master's of divinity from Weinbrenner Theological. Dang. And I want to do my doctoral work under Beth Felker Jones at Northern Seminary in Chicago. So, um, and I was supposed to do that this fall, but uh, because of our transitions, and I, I would love to pastor if the door opened up. Mm-hmm. So I've talked to a couple of places, just didn't work out. One place I thought was really sure of, was really frustrated that didn't work out, and I have my reasonings for it, but it's whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then partly, you know, I'm committed to being in my tribe, Assemblies of God, committed to being in the evangelical world, which has this tendency to be very reactive. And so a lot of the, I'm only going to interview at AG churches because uh, that's the church I went to Christian school at. That's the church I got saved at. It's a church I started in ministry at. That's the church that helped me. And so it's my tribe, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's definitely not, uh, I, I feel like a round peg in a, in, in um, or a square peg in a round hole uh, theologically and with practice and with my life experiences in that specific community. But how are you going to make it better unless you stay and embrace the tension, mm. right? If I leave, it's just going to get worse. And so one of my callings that I feel in my life that I'm supposed to fulfill is to be to others what I wish I had and never did. Mm. And so I'm, I'm supposed to be a stepping stone. And unfortunately, one of the things with stepping stones is stepping stones are meant to be stepped on. So if I can embrace the tension and create a little bit of space for somebody to step on and continue stepping forward in my specific denomination, that's what I want to try to do. But I want to pastor one to be a Bible college professor, I would love at the end of my career, um, when I get about 60 or 70, and I know I'm just aging out to uh, still be a pastor in the church, but maybe not the lead pastor, but maybe just be a part-time professor somewhere at a college. 
that's what I would like. If the Lord let me write out the script of my life, that's what I would want to do. Mm-hmm. And it's probably good that it, that hasn't happened, you know, because life happens the way it happens. One of the things that I still just don't have an answer for is just thinking, God, why did you give me this brain and mind? And we didn't even talk about that, that you did the way it operates. And yet I have grown up in a community, in a zip code, in a family. And in a got saved in a church that doesn't really value education, mm-hmm. and it's frustrating. <clears throat> That's but, I mean I'm a, but this is this uh, just trying to make the best of it. And so, like, dude, one of the hardest things I did in my life was sitting in my first college class, like at 32, and it's a bunch of 18, and it's super humbling. And then there's the, probably the second hardest thing was taking a class where the professor is younger than me. Mm. But, you know, that's that inconscious competence, man, that I just lived with the struggle and the tension and the uncomfortableness and just you have to persevere through it. Yo, I mean, that's what I'm thinking, too, man. Talking to you only just made me think, like, man, I want to dive. I should have listened to you a long time ago. You know, when we talked on the phone, you told my dude, just go to seminary, go somewhere, just get educated. Yeah, and, never- yeah, and it's t- it's long, dude, because like I to get to seminary, I got to do my undergrad. Mm-hmm. So you got to do all of these basic courses that just. Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. It's part of the process. Yeah, and I think I'm a. I don't know where I'm at with that. You know, I've definitely been praying on that, man. You know, because it's a lot of work. You're do you've done a lot, dude. Stuff. It's a lot. It's a lot. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, let's talk. Let's flex on that. You know, but what's one of the um. That's fine. What's one of the, like the hardest struggles you faced in that? Where did you feel like, man, I'm done. I don't want to do this no more. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever felt like that. <clears throat> I, I always wanted to, like, I don't know if I've ever felt like I'm done with education. I feel like it is, for me at this point, the way my mind's wired. And not everybody needs to go, mm-hmm. right, as far as I've gone educationally. And not everybody should. But for me, it's become one of, like, I, I feel even if I get a doctoral degree, I'm going to be the dude that's always in a class because I, I love the scriptures, right? It's something I like. It's something I want to get better at. And I feel one of my callings through seminary that I felt in the spiritual formation class is just um, the reason I'm there is because I want to be a better disciple. Mm-hmm. And that was my motivating factor. Like my first spiritual formation class, why are you here? Professor just keeps hounding us. We get broken up in spiritual formation groups. We're hounded with that question, why are you here? And for me, it was like, well, I want to be better prepared. Well, I want to, there's not a lot of Hispanics that have theological education. I want to be an image. Yeah. And he's like, no, outside, why are you here? And for me, just praying and thinking and reflecting, I realized that, okay, I want to be a better disciple. I want to make sure that I'm following Jesus the way he intended for us and he intends for me to follow him. So that's why I'm giving myself to this. Mm. The back end of that calling is I I feel that I'm supposed to be to others what I wish I had and never did. So uh, the space for my calling is the local church. The audience for my calling is for those who also feel they want to be better disciples. So that's like my niche. That's my, that's my framework, right? Like for those who have also discovered Jesus and want to be better disciples, I'm there to help them. Mm-hmm. So because I had that framework already worked out, I don't know if I, specifically the education aspect that I felt I ever wanted to quit. If mm-hmm. anything, like Veronica had to hold me back because I was doing too much on that end and maybe not spending enough time at home 
or at the church. Yeah, well, that's about to ask. Where, like, where was your family, and when you're going through like schooling, and you know the the, the calling yeah. and all that? Because I know yeah. that's well. I mean, the beauty of the time we live in is <clears throat> I did most of it online or a hybrid or through Zoom, and so I'm at the dinner table listening to lectures while they're my kids are doing their work as well too, and Veronica's having to do things, and you know Fridays were an all day reading event for me, and then I'd stay up late to write and. uh uh, I'd show up to the office an hour early, stay an hour late, and you know would do my reading. Um, so we navigated it into a normal rhythm for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd have a book, we'd watch TV or a game, and there'd be a commercial, and I'd be reading the book during the commercials. It's just a lot of little things like that, man. Um, yeah, they were they were there. I was there. Um, so I, I really don't know if that's an answer to that question. Well, I mean, I feel like it does, you know, because again, it's like you, you found a groove, you found something that works, you know. And a lot of people just do and like, all right, we'll catch up. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, well, you're you're along the so, ride. And that's another frustrating thing, man, because like a lot of my friends that are professors now, like they went in person and I never had that experience. Mm. And so part of my struggle now is recognizing that my experience was just as I don't know if it was just as good. I mean, definitely if I wanted to do the career professor academic, it, what I did doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a natural networker, at least I feel I am anyway. So I made some networks. But like I lament, like, why, God, how come I couldn't actually go? Why couldn't we pick up and go to that seminary I wanted to go to and just live there yeah. and I'd be in person? It just, we, we couldn't do it where we were at with our mm-hmm. kids. And so now I'm constantly having to remind myself that I do have the, I, I am good. I, I belong. Yeah. I belong to this academic community mm-hmm. and I can speak into it. And so one of my goals is to bring my Pentecostal experience to the, my world of theological education and to bring theological education into my mm-hmm. space of Pentecostal experience. Dang. That's deep. That's deep. 1% of anybody who will ever listen to this will understand that. Yeah, that's what you I'm know, saying. But so. again, a lot of people don't know. They just think all oh, church is church. Pastors are pastors. Y'all, oh, you're a pastor. You're here. Yeah, you've gone to school. You've gone now. But there's so much more into that. It's like somebody going out to be a straight up doctor or a surgeon or engineer. Some of yeah. that just, there's a lot to it. And it's not just like something you do. It's like, I'm a pastor now. I get paid. Yeah. No, there's a lot you put into it. You're, no, you're, I have yeah, two masters and I'll say that over and over just as a back, uh, unashamedly backdoor brag. <laughs> if you yeah. want to come up with a quick, uh, like a model. T.J. Delagar has a two master's degrees in theological education. No. We sit, we sit down, talk to T.J. Delagar, yeah. two master's degrees. Well, well, I'm super proud of it. Yeah. I mean, I can tell, man, I'm, I've always seen you very educated, man. I've seen your growth even when we were back at Cornerstone in 97. 97. We never got past there. <laughs> yeah. We you never know, got past there. But I just think it, it led up perfectly, man. Um, again, I want I wanted to just say, dude, thanks for coming on. I know it's the holidays. I know you're taking time out. I'm glad you're like, dude, when I put that question out, who wants to jump on a pod? Bro, I'm, I'm, in come, I'm in town, bro. Man, I'm glad you jumped in the valley. on. I'm a son of the valley. You are, dude. You're gonna come back. Everybody, I, you know, comes I, back. I want to. I hope to. I always have my ear to the ground. Mm-hmm. I love the valley. You know, the valley is salt, and it's the salt of the earth yeah. type folk. What you see is what you get. There's no, um, there's no presumption yeah. to folks in the valley. So no hype, man. No hype at all. Well, again, li- anybody listening and watching, dude. You know, what's your message to them, man? Believer, unbeliever, whatever. What do you feel like? Especially talking what we talked about. You know, what have you gotten from this? What can you relay to somebody to encourage them? Uh, I th- you know, so uh, it's always a big question, but I think maybe the thing I've said a couple times and you've repeated it is, man, to live your best life, just learn to not be the hero in your story. Mm. So in seminary, we talked about beyond that, making sure in our story, 
in our sh- collective story, we're really not subjects, we're objects. We're not the subject of this story. Mm. Wow. That's deep, bro. You deep. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Laura? No, it was a really good conversation. Finally, Manuel um, Jose was calling you here. And yeah, 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 yeah. Did yeah. you still talk to him? He's like, yeah, I messaged him. Well, that's cool. And he just, he just told me what a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah, I forgot well, to tell her. But um, great, uh, right? Great conversation. Uh, thank you for coming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can do this all day. Yeah, me too, man. I, so, bro, I just wanted really to say, hey, see you. <laughs> yeah, same, so. man. This gives more reason to, you know, you guys listening and watching, man. Um, if you gotten this far, man, dope. You guys have learned. <laughs> what, bro? Audience, anybody that's gotten this far well, deserves my, some like special lunch from you or something. Yeah, man, can of menudo or something, man, yeah. from Juanita's. Uh, but no, my audience follow through. They's like, oh, I watch it in parts. You know, oh, taking them like three, four days to watch it. That's legit. You that's know, legit. and and they and they love it, man. My uh, my interactions are mainly on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Like this podcast drops on a Friday, six a.m. Right out the gate, the first hour to two, three hundred downloads like that. That's good in an hour, you know? So then over time, it just builds and builds, man. So it's... It's a number... I heard it's the number one podcast in the Valley. Decentral. Yes, sir. Is that right? The only... The only podcast in the Valley? The only number one podcast. The only number one podcast. That's... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look. Look what we're doing. Look who we have. Uh, TJ Delagarza, two uh, masters (laughs) degrees. Who has a person on their podcast other than... Oh, our status of a celebrity. No, I have a guy who has two masters, man. That's mm. very good. I did. I'm I'm proud to call you my friend, my brother. All our experiences growing up in Cornerstone 1997. Whew. You know, just doing it's a our good year. It's it, a good year, baby. It was a fun year. It's a good year. I always reflect back at to those times and you know, especially hanging out with David Perry, um, Pastor Jerry, you know, and meeting Marty when we were at the 180 yeah, like, yeah, you know, in downtown. Yeah. You know, so again, those are those things where I just feel like, you know, that's who I am. And I never want to forget those good times, man, That, but that's how we All those started. experiences shaped us and helped mm-hmm. in shaping us. Yeah. So that's one thing I'll say about that. And dude, thanks for coming on. You guys tune in. Um, we're going to end out season three pretty dope. It's going to be fun. I have special guests. The last episode, you guys have had seen him on here. So I'll leave that up to your imagination. Hey, but, I got a question. Are we, go, are we going off? We didn't even get into my quotes that you liked. Dude. What's what's a favorite? What's one that I I posted that you liked? Well, I can don't you know. think of one off the top of your head? I can't. But people I, were getting ready to shut off, and now they're like, "Oh, no, we'll, great. We'll, we'll put this up. We'll put this up front." Okay. I think I think what you well, mainly one of your quotes are there are like they're, they're like they remind me of self reflecting. There's not like they're unselfish. You know, they just I can't think of any man. Because do you save them? Do you save any quotes? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I do. Okay, but yeah. I don't know. That you do say like, would you put you put some up today? I thought that was pretty cool. Let me check, man. Because, bro, I'm telling you, man, your quotes. I'm like, man, how come nobody's speaking on this? Uh, uh, people are. We're just not listening. Yeah, or you're not. Yeah, you're not following the yeah, right. And the reality is, I mean, the old adage, like when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I mean, that's a reality. Mm, look at you. Everyone want everyone wants a great pastor until the pastor requires them to be a great Christian. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Yep. Yeah, this one, this you say this one gets me every time. And dude, that's how I feel. I don't know, man. Again, it's like I don't, I, I don't know. I, I see it this, man. I never want to show or feel like I'm better or I'm or I'm this person when I'm not. Yeah, I think that's yeah. where I've changed. 
you know, because I used to think, oh, if people see me this way, they know this. They think this. Now I'm like, if people see me this way and they know I'm open about it, it's like, well, if that if that dude can do it, then just imagine if I tried. Sure. <laughs> you know, so that's how. All right, now we're officially going to sign off. Yeah, but that's how I am, you know. So, But again, you guys, thanks for tuning in. Like, subscribe, share this, man, because, again, you're going to have ton of great content that just keep going over man constantly stuff that i constantly listen to so you guys tune in i love you guys you have a great rest of your week the number know, one podcast in the valley the number one podcast you heard it from here the guy with two masters that's all i say all right y'all we'll see you next one mm.